talking about right now is you. And now he's so in love with you, he'll do anything. He'll just do anything. You've wrecked his heart, and you're going to continue to wreck his heart. You're going to continue to wreck his heart. He's going to be a man on fire and in love with Jesus, ready and obedient to do anything that you've asked him to do. Wake up his dreams, Lord. When he sleeps at night, I'm asking you to give him specific dreams so that he'll wake up in the morning and he'll know his next steps. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is that all right? Your wife's here. Okay. All right. Um, so, my, my story, you know, we all have the, the, our journey that we've come through, right? And I'm not about to go into my whole big testimony. Um, but I can tell you that my biggest battle in life has been fear. I, I grew up in, um, in an alcoholic, abusive home. I hardly spoke. I was the, qui- the quietest, shyest person you'd ever want to meet, believe it or not. That's a, <laughs> I know. Like I, uh, most of my childhood, I, I barely spoke. I hid under tables. I, uh, even through high school, I remember I'm going through high school trying desperately to get words out of my mouth. If there was more than two people in front of me, I couldn't get words out of my mouth. I, I stuttered as a kid. I mean, I was just so afraid. So, so afraid. So incredibly shy, especially around men. So if a man you know, would talk to me, or if there was a guy that was around me, I mean, I, I would shake. I would break out into a, a cold sweat. I would back away. It was bad. Now, it wasn't just common shyness. I was oppressed by fear. Bad, bad, bad fear. And I, my whole family, I mean, I can't believe that I now travel to the Middle East, <laughs> which is funny. I actually vowed early on, I'm sorry, Bulos. I'm hoping that you can only understand half of this, but I am... Um, <laughs> My good friend. So I, uh, but I, that, that was the last place I wanted to go was the Middle East. I had never any thought to go to the Middle East. Oh, I, I go to the Middle East sometimes. And, um, and I never had any thought or dream to go to the Middle East. I was absolutely afraid. I saw that movie, Not Without My Daughter, with Sally Fields. I needed deliverance after that movie. That was dreadful. And I, I, I vowed I would never, ever go there. And don't do that. I, I don't recommend vowing anything like that before the Lord. He'll... He'll make sure he breaks it for you. So um, why I'm telling you this is because I believe, um, I believe in these days, and I actually believe it's going to increase. I don't like to prophesy negative things, but I believe as we get closer and closer to whatever season and time that we're in and the end time process, um, that the greatest tool the enemy has against us is fear. It is the number one tool that he is using against the globe. And I felt, it was um, last year, two years ago, I felt, I'm trying to remember when it was, but I actually felt a couple of different times this massive spirit of fear being released over the U.S. And it just caused me to tremble. And I can tell you now it's just increasing. And I hate saying that. I don't like to talk about anything um, in the darkness. But um, I think it's important for us to see that because it it is vital. It is vital that we as individuals... Um, learn to overcome fear. 
If we're going to stand up and be the army that the Lord has called us to be, if we're going to be able to stand as Paul did in prison and declare, I've given it all up for the sake of Christ and I don't care. I love him and he's worth it. If we're going to stand and face, you know, who knows what kind of persecution we'll face. If we're going to be able to stand against that, fear must not have a place inside of us. And right now, uh, everybody has fear. I mean, I don't know if it's possible, to be honest, for a human to be completely void of fear, but I know by the Holy Spirit he can do that, right? So I I just want to call the body of Christ to intentionally conquer fear as your primary enemy. I I honestly think the Holy Spirit is so on this that he's going to help us become a fearless people. That's all terrorism is, right? From, uh, that's all Hitler had was fear, was create fear. That's all ISIS has right now is make the people afraid. And thank, you know, they're thank, uh, very thankful for multimedia and, and the Internet because their fear tactics are now widespread. And so um, it's working. Their fear tactics are working right now. And that has to stop. It absolutely has to stop. So... I'm not going to tell you how, because everybody attacks their own fear differently, but I, um, I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions, okay? Because it's been this enemy of mine, the same way that my husband overcame depression, I've overcome um, most, not all, but most of my fear, and it's glorious. It's really, really awesome to be free of that. Every now and then it comes back up again, but I, I couldn't even read the book of Revelation for like the first 15 years I was a believer because I was too afraid. And uh, now I read it all the time. So thank you, Lord. Um, so just some practical information about fear. And if, you, if there's a medical person in the house, please correct me if I'm wrong. There, um, the, there's a reptilian brain, part of our brain that's back here at the base of the neck. Then it's made to keep us alive. It's made um, for survival. And it actually, um, you know, when somebody is... I'm not going to try to get into too much detail because all I've done is read articles and I'm going to embarrass myself. But um, <laughs> the reptilian brain kicks into being. When, some, when fear hits you, the reptilian brain is, functions at a high level and it, it can only tell you to do two things, and that's either fight or flight, right? The rest of your brain shuts down. So in the middle of a high fear moment, rational thought is literally impossible. Isn't that interesting? So you don't have to condemn yourself for being stupid in that moment. <laughs> God actually made it that way. But it's, it's this instinctive thing inside of us. The reptilian brain comes into action, and you're either going to respond to fight or to flight, and that's it. But it's important. Like, for me, I, I kicked into that mode when there was nothing bad happening, and so that's how I was overcome with fear. I was in constant fight or flight mode. And flight. I didn't fight very much, but I was a flight person. And, and um. It was just constant. It was like if somebody looked at me cross-eyed. So I had to learn tools on how to kick my brain into function. And um, I can honestly tell you, prayer does it. The, uh, there's been scientific um, studies on a person's brain as they pray. And the, the frontal lobe in our conversation, the, the same part of the, the brain that functions in the conversation um, mode happens in the midst of prayer. And as we um, move into the presence of God, 
Uh, not only does he rewire our DNA, because that's what happens when, when we come into his presence. He changes the very fiber of our being, right? Without us even knowing it. We just are in his presence and in his throne room. And our, our I mean, it's like our DNA changes. We, we ch are changed by that. Our focus changes. Our eyes turn to him. And in those small movements, the reptilian brain slows down and the other parts of our brain kick in. And that's an important thing to know. So I'm just going to throw that out there, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you that um, the biggest breakthrough I had in dealing with fear was, was, a, it was a couple of very specific moments. One, you know that scripture um, that says there's perfect love casts out fear, and there's no fear in love, perfect love casts out all fear? Um, that really used to frustrate me. You know, because I, I always heard that, and then, then I need to get a revelation of his love, and that will cast out my fear. People would say, well, you can't cast out a demon of fear. Perfect love casts out fear, and I believe that. But I was so frustrated because I could not make myself get a revelation of God's love, and I, I, so I would, like, try desperately to get a revelation of God's love, and then I'd be in striving, which would kick me into more flesh, which just increased my fear, Right? And so I, this, this perfect love cast out fear thing was such a frustration to me. I knew it was the answer, but I didn't understand what it was. And, and there was one weekend, um, we were actually in Branson, Missouri, and, and I'm, I won't go into the whole thing, but I was in a, the anxiety and the fear that I was under that weekend was immense. I mean, I was shaking and weeping. I could hardly function. And, and, uh, and I was just standing there in the middle of an amusement park, I think, just standing there by myself and looking around. I couldn't, I could barely think. And, and the Lord said to me, um, perfect love casts out fear. But the way that he said it, I knew he meant that I could either fear or I could love. It wasn't what was coming towards me, it was coming out of me. And so I had a choice. If I loved, true love is selfless. Fear resides in self. Fear only hits myself, right? My self, selfishness, my, my flesh. Fear is all flesh, right? So it, fear is, um, I'm just throwing out kind of random fear thoughts on, on what's helped me over the years. And then I want to dive into Philippians 3. The fear runs with control. Just think we know the first thing we do is tighten up. We want to control the fear. We want to, whatever we're afraid of, we want to control. We move into tense reactionary mode, right? And so just like we touch something hot, we, I mean, we, we pull back from something that causes us pain. And, and so fear and control, we want to control the thing that we're afraid of. And that, um, that's the worst thing that we can do, right? The um, surrender is the only response that works is absolute surrender. When we, when we respond as an absolute laying self down and self-surrender as much as we possibly can, fear begins to fade away because the enemy has nowhere to land. He lands, when we're afraid, he lands on our control and then we try to control the thing that we're fearing and it just cycles. But when we can surrender and let go, then he has nothing to land on. So the surrender of our will, the, the surrender, like Jesus in the garden, not my will but yours be done, is the greatest warfare against fear. And you can see it in the Apostle Paul. It's, he's, he's amazing to me. He's just, just like I'm, 
lately I've been feeling like Paul is standing right in front of me and I'm just watching him love Jesus and I'm, I'm messed up, I'm just absolutely messed up. But you can hear him, like in Philippians 1, it says, Christ shall even now be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. <laughs> you know, he's in prison and, he, and people are angry at him and then they're preaching Christ in order to make him suffer more in prison. And he's like, I don't care. Christ is being glorified. Christ is being preached. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Over in Philippians 3, The famous Philippians 3, verse 7. Oh, my gosh. He's writing this from prison. He said, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See, Paul had... He had seen him. He had seen Jesus Christ to the point where he didn't, he didn't care what he lost. He's in prison. He's lost everything. And he's just, he's like, <laughs> it's like no, I, don't, I don't care. Take it all. Take it all. Take it all. I don't care. I have Jesus. It does not matter. There is, there is nothing the enemy can do to a person like that. There is no fear that can hit a person that is surrendered to this level. There is no oppression. There, is, there isn't anything. He loses all power. When we have surrendered our flesh, when we surrendered ourselves to such a degree that we're just, whether I live or die, if I live, I live for Christ. If I die, I die for Christ. It doesn't matter. True, utter surrender is moment by moment and is all the way unto death all the way unto death, everything, everything, everything. The more we surrender, the more the enemy is removed and stripped of all of his power. The more we lay all down for the sake of Christ. It's, it's amazing to me. Now, can I muse about something with you? Because later in this chapter, I'll be honest with you, I, am, I don't have revelation on this yet, and I don't feel so bad because it doesn't sound like Paul did either. <laughs> but it's, um, it's absolutely captivating me, and I, I know there's something here. It's, um, it's in several places in the scriptures. We know, like Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There's Colossians 3, that I have, I have died, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. There's, um, you know, there, there's Colossians 2. There's, there's just more. And this one here in Philippians, right as he goes on, he, Paul's just expressing how he's like he's given everything i've seen jesus i've seen the king of kings and the lord of lords i watched him and nothing else matters nothing else matters and he just finished ex expressing that he said and i may be i may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, that I may know him. So he's saying, I, I am determined to rely, to lean so completely on the righteousness that comes by faith, on the righteousness of Christ, so that I may know him. That's why legalism is so dangerous, because it keeps us from knowing him. 
We rely on our own righteousness and we don't know him. We miss the revelation. When we, when we lean more and more on the, on the righteousness of Christ and only, you can hear Paul's determination. I'm determined to know only, to lean only on the righteousness of Christ so that I may know him. His hunger to know the person of Jesus Christ wrecks me. It's our entire reason for living. Nothing else measures that. It's our entire reason for being here is to know him. The entire reason of the prophetic is to reveal him. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the entire purpose of the prophetic ministry in the church. Everything we're doing is to know him. And when we are stuck in fear or oppression of any kind, it pulls our eyes away from being obsessed with knowing Christ, right? With knowing the shining one. It's what every soul here in this room, every one of you, hungers to know him, even if you don't think you do. You do. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you might not be aware of it, just like you might not be aware of your own heartbeat, but the, the hunger to know Christ Jesus, to fall more madly in love with him, to be possessed by who he is, to be completely obsessed with knowing him with every breath you take every day of your life, it's what you live for. He is what we live for. The awareness of that, as that rises up, we are drawn more greatly into the throne room. And in the throne room, there certainly is no fear of anything but the fear of God himself. Now listen. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. Now listen. So he's not talking about actually dying and resurrecting into heaven, into eternity. He's not because he's trying to obtain it while he's on the earth. Do you hear that? He's like, not that I've already obtained it. But this is what I press on. Because he goes right on to say, I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. He's working. His whole mission was to lay hold of the revelation of the, of the resurrected Christ life on this earth. He was saying, I, I, I want to be conformed to his death so that I may be in his resurrection. He's like, I haven't laid hold of it yet, but I'm pressing on. Why would he say I'm pressing on if it's only something that happens when you die? This, he's not talking about when he dies. He's talking about this is what I'm living for. I want to lay hold of the revelation of that, the fact that I want to be conformed to his death and that I may be conformed and resurrected with him while alive. And I don't know what this means, but I want to. There is a death and a resurrection that he calls us to. I don't get it. Most theologians will tell you it's about death to the flesh, and I know that that's part of it. I know that that's true. I just know that I, I just feel like there's something there that I want more and more of, and I can hear Paul's wrestle. He's like, you know, he, I haven't laid hold of it yet. I haven't laid hold of this death. This I want to be conformed to his death, and I do. I do believe that it's so much about our own surrender that we would be so dead to ourselves, that we would be so laid down to our own will, that we would be so, so his, that our flesh would be so dead and killed, and that we would experience more and more of his resurrected life in us and through us. There is, church, there is something there that he's opening up 
to the body of Christ at large. I believe it with all of my heart. We don't need to understand it. It's supernatural. But Paul is talking about it here, and it wrecks me. And it's the very thing that he's saying, this is what Christ laid hold of me for, and now I want to lay hold of him. This is, this is the, the, the maturity. He goes on to say, not that I've already become perfect, which actually means mature. The word perfect isn't perfect the way that we would think perfect. It's let us, therefore, as many as are mature, have this attitude. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It is the upward call. This is the upward call. So I'm speaking to our spirits because our rational minds cannot understand this. I do not understand it. My mind does not understand this. But I know that this is what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to die. And then he will raise us again. And we will be able to live more fully in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, where there's no fear that can conquer us. There's no self that will overtake us. <laughs> I love this quote. There's, uh, oof. I don't know who said it. I forgot to write that down. I'm sorry. It's probably important. But he, the, this quote, he said, if you do not conquer self, you will be conquered by self. This is something, you know, only we can lay down our own flesh, right? There is choices that we have to make. I know that this, we, we've spent in this decade, you know, a lot of time laying down this idea of works. And I loved that Dave was talking about that earlier today, that there are works, you know, there are, it's all the way through the word. And it's not works to earn anything, and we know that. We know the difference between legalism. We know the difference between performing for God to try to earn something. But there are choices that we have to make. There are choices to lay down our flesh. There are choices to be led by the Holy Spirit. That is our choice. We have choices to lay down our will every day for the sake of his will. We have choices to live in a way that, that, we, <laughs> that we are so surrendered that he could think a thought and we would move with him, that we can become so one with him. I have to believe this is possible. His call for us is oneness. He wants to be one with us. And I know, I know that it's our destiny in heaven. I know that we will be with him in eternal glory, absolutely one with him for, forever and ever, you know, and I know eternity is set in the heart of, of each one of us. And we hunger and, and desire that. But I know that there's so much more for us to experience here on this planet in the death and the resurrection of Christ, that we are in him, he is in us. And we want to lay hold of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, throughout the word, as this, um, these meetings are about his presence, the pursuit of his presence. And throughout the word, there's... Um, you see examples of, of the Holy Spirit upon, and then there's also the Holy Spirit within, right? And it's, it's um, two different manifestations of his presence. Is, is the Holy Spirit upon and the Holy Spirit within. The Holy Spirit upon is not all day, every day, constantly. I sure wish he was, <laughs> right? Um, but the Holy Spirit within is. And part of this journey, I'm also convinced, has um, a whole lot to do with us becoming more aware and more in tune with the Holy Spirit within. 
And to be honest, I think that's one of the weaknesses of the charismatic church. I don't know about you guys. I'm not, I wouldn't say that. But I know in my life and in, in our kind of renewal, outpouring, Holy Spirit crazy, I love it. I'm one of the weirdest people in most rooms, you know, so I'm all for that. I'm all over that. Um, but, uh, but it should not be instead of that deep, abiding Holy Spirit within who is with me at all times, everywhere, at every time. And that, um, if we are ever in this country in a place where we're going to be under persecution and we're thrown in prison or under persecution or facing ISIS, whatever it might be, we need to face these things in our mind. It's all over the news. It's all over Facebook. It's all over everywhere. So to address these issues head on is our only chance to be able to conquer the fear and prepare ourselves. I don't know what's coming. I honestly believe we had a, a, this really smart man. I won't tell you who he is because it's a secret. But he's, um, he's a, is, uh, an expert in Islam, and he's doing amazing things throughout the whole Middle Eastern region. And he thinks ISIS is like, this is Islam's last effort. This is the last-ditch effort. It's dying. You know, he just, that's what he believes. I've heard other people feel like this is end time. I don't know. But I, I know that this is a great opportunity for us to conquer fear and to prepare ourselves for the what if. This is a great opportunity that we're in right now to stand face to face with fear itself because that's the enemy. It's the, the thing that we're afraid isn't the actual enemy. Fear itself is the enemy. The Lord promised we were going to be persecuted. He promised a lot of things. We don't put those on our refrigerator much. But he promised things that we need to be ready for. So to face those things head on with the Holy Spirit within and begin right now, every day, surrendering our flesh, letting God deal with the things that need to be dealt with, being honest and obedient with where we are, surrendering, 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 yielding, yielding, laying our life down, laying our life down, laying our life down, asking him for revelation. Lord, what do you mean? What does, what was Paul seeking when he was seeking to know? He, he was seeking to know what it means to be conformed to his death. That's a prayer I've never prayed. Maybe you have, but I've never prayed for the revelation of knowing what it means to be conformed to the death of Christ. That's a pretty radical prayer. But I want to know why Paul was seeking that. And, and I want to seek it. I'm like, well, gosh, if Paul's seeking it, I think it's probably a pretty good idea. What does it mean to be conformed to his death? What is this upward call of God in Christ Jesus? What is this death and the resurrection? that we're invited into. Because in the throne room, like I said earlier, there is no fear. You put ISIS next to Yahweh, you have got to be kidding me. Seriously. But ISIS is all over YouTube. What are we staring at? What's being magnified in our vision? We're going to have to be very, very diligent about our eyes and what we're looking at, about our mind and what we're thinking about, what's occupying our time and our own souls. Are we not from another place? Are we not citizens of heaven? 
then why don't we spend more time in heaven than we do here, is my question. How, how well do we know heaven? If I'm a citizen of heaven, I want to carry heaven. I want to impart heaven. I want to be more aware and more in tune with heaven than I am on this planet. I want to be able to drop into the spirit and be in the throne room at a moment's notice. How else do you think that we're going to be prepared for whatever comes our way? I think he's using this present day to challenge us and push us higher into the true upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We don't need to understand it. Let's just pray it and go for it. Amen? First Corinthians 2, 2. For I determined to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Father, will you help us? We know so much more than Jesus Christ and him crucified. We are so wise and learned and that's all fine and good. But Father, I believe the day is coming where we want to stand as those who have been so surrendered and so laid down and so stuck in the throne room and resurrected in your power, we can stand in the face of anything that comes our way and say, I've determined to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. We want to know you more and more and more. We want to see the shining one. We want to see the king of glory. We want to encounter you. You are our greatest pursuit. You are our greatest pursuit, Jesus. Oh, how we love you. I like that. I like that. I'm going to pray for uh, fear. A couple of things I just want to just sort of speak in relationship to what Chris was speaking about, fear. Definition God gave me about soulish emotions of fear. Again, emotions are signals of what? An event. God spoke to fear that fear is a soulish emotion that is signaling that we or someone we care about is in an environment of danger, intimidation, or being overwhelmed. So you think about it. If you are in a, an environment of danger, what it does, it exposes the belief in your soul about that situation. What Chris is calling us into is that and, and this is, again, this is what I, I just want to say to us. Don't fight the emotions. Like, you remember me in this church, I shared the testimony when I was riding on the last time I went to Beirut. I'm on the plane into Beirut, Paris, and all of a sudden the guy sits down next to me and says, what are you going to Beirut for? Don't you know it's dangerous? And I'm wanting him to shut up. Because Georgie just told me they were having bombs go off every day in Beirut before, and Joseph had too. 
And so what's happening is the environment of terrorism and bombs in the place that I was going was saying danger. But the environment was, quote. But in that place, that signal, I'm feeling that in that plane ride from Paris to into Beirut, the Lord allowed me to catch the revelation of Psalm 27.1, that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, they stumble and fall. The war should arise against me. My heart shall not fear. Though a host, I've got it backwards, though a host encamp against me, I shall not fear. Though war should arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. In other words, the conclusion is my heart is that greater is he that is what? In me than is he that is in the world. And what Chris is sharing to us is the revelation of Jesus Christ that's what we're praying for, that the revelation of Jesus Christ is greater than the, revela- than, the re- than the, quote, the fleshly manifestation of any kind of thing in this world. That's what she's sharing. So in this place, this time right now, you know, we know the fears that we have in our lives. Let those be signals to us of the areas, the environments that you can get in that it will reveal literally a place in your heart that needs the revelation of who God is. And, and what she kept speaking about death, <laughs> you know, the reality is, for us, the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, one died for all, therefore what? All what? Died. I've died. I've died. But Jesus said, the reality is, those who are in him will never die. I mean, the reality is, y'all, I'll just change addresses if I leave this world. And you remember me? I remember I said this one time when I was facing heart issues and laying in bed, and all of a sudden, quote, I'm in an environment of danger. What, my heart's doing these crazy things? Okay, so... There's, there's an environment of dangers revealing the beliefs and conclusions in my heart. All of a sudden, I'm going, okay, what's the conclusion here getting revealed? And all of a sudden, God says to me, reveals to me that the greatest temptation can ever, Satan could ever do to you is send you to heaven. That's what he does when you die. I get killed. Okay, I go to heaven. Sorry, babe. You don't want to hear this stuff right now, but, but I go to heaven. I mean, y'all, I just want to say this to you. What Chris is saying to us, y'all, is that In the places of fear, I pray that the revelation of the fullness and the greatness and the majesty and the the awesomeness of our Most High God would fill our souls. There was a lady that worked for me down in Belle Glade, Florida. Her and her sister went to to, to put flowers on a graveside. They were there. Nice little ladies, you know. They wear their purses, you know. She had her in a bunch. You know, you know. And uh, she goes, goes there. And all of a sudden, these two guys come out of the blue with knives and sticks the knife into, uh, up to the, my, 
the lady who worked for me's stomach and says, give me your purse. And she goes, no, I'm covered with the blood of the lamb. In the name of Jesus, be gone. And the guy's going like, what? <laughs> and so he sticked the knife in the other lady's stomach. And they're both of them are Pentecostal Jesus freaks. I mean, it's just, you know, just beware of Pentecostal <laughs> ladies. <laughs> and so he says, you know, and, uh, give me your purse. She goes, this one goes, no, in the name of Jesus, be gone. I'm covered with the blood of the lamb. And the guy just starts shaking and ran off. Both of them. I mean, both guys ran off. Why? Those ladies had the revelation that greater is he that is in them than a knife. <laughs> Praise God. So God is greater. Say it with me. Say it again. Any? Do I believe it? Do you believe it? You know what? You will have an environment that will test that reality. You will. Is that bad? No! Counter to joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let it have its perfect result that you might be what? Perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Wow, dude. So you can face fear. Why? Because you know you can have the revelation to overcome it because you know it's a signal. All right, God, I just need to know something. I need some revelation about you. So when I start going in weird places, crazy things, doing stupid things, or something's hitting me, and all of a sudden I feel afraid, I go, okay, God, I need a revelation of you. I just, what's happening is I've got, the signal is that something before me is trying to say to me, I'm bigger than your God. Thank you. So, we just want to go on this journey. We just want the revelations of our God, right? So, I, I just want us to close out with this tonight. Thanks, Chris, for just heading us that direction. Because you know how, what happened? You know, it's always amazed me with Chris. You know, look at her. I mean, she's always classy looking. She goes over there, and then at least I'm coming in there like, you know. Southern boy, you know, and. I mean, you know, she's over there with this craziness going on. Why? She's got a revelation of her Jesus. Chris tickled me the first time she said her spoke a prophetic word. Forgive me if I correct me if I got this wrong, but she laid on the floor and behind the stage. Was that the one? What are you? I don't know. There was one. No, no, no. Long. First time every. Yeah, tell him. Because some ladies, somebody's got this. And I forgot about. Well, I forgot to tell somebody else. Um. Why are we telling this? <laughs> All right. Um, the first time I ever prophesied corporately, um, it was back in 1992. Um, we were. Uh, Associate pastors at a vineyard, 
a church in Wichita, Kansas, and um, we were, it was in the youth group. They had a big, vibrant youth group, and it was all on fire and everything, and there was a, there was a big um, bleachers, and uh, the worship band was like on the floor right here. And I was sitting over there in the corner, and I'm just I'm, I'm getting all these words for all these people, and I was stressing out because I couldn't, I knew I couldn't get to each one of them, and I knew the Lord wanted me to do to give each one of these words, and I wanted to be obedient, but there was so there was no other way to do it besides corporately because uh, you know by the time it was over, it was they were gonna all leave, and I'm like I I know I mean I, the burden to give these words was so great, so I knew I had to do it corporately, but I had so much fear that um they uh, they gave me the microphone, and I went behind the equipment, sat down on the floor like this, facing the back, sobbing, like sobbing, tears, like <gasps> sobbing, and prophesied like this. It was really painful to watch. <laughs> but the people were still blessed. Imagine that. Why do, I, why, why do I have Chris share that? Because there's some in you here. You see Chris right now, when you first three out, the minute you go, oh, I wish I could be like Chris. Well, I rebuke that. I rebuke that. Because you're a blessing, Chris. You are a blessing to us. But some of you, and I'm, some of you ladies have said that. And the reason why I had Chris share that with you is that fear is keeping you from it. I just want to say this to you. The Jesus in Chris is the same Jesus in you. If God, no, no offense, if God can do that in Chris, he can do that in you. If God can do that in Craig, he can do that in Rick. What are you laughing at, Barbie? <laughs> Okay, so this is, um, I know we're winding things up. Uh, did you have a direction? Because it could be a different direction. If you don't want to do this, you can, you can change it because you're in charge. <laughs> um, so last year, when we were here for the intern kickoff conference, I had one of the most dramatic encounters of my life, to be honest. And... Um, really, really dramatic. And I didn't tell anybody about it for a long time because I couldn't put it to words. And I'm, but I'm going to try right now because I feel like it's significant for this house. I was on the floor over there in between chairs for almost two solid hours, gone. I mean, just gone outside of the room. And, um, and I, it started like this. I was over on the side. I was worshiping. You know, worship had just started. I mean, it was just like five minutes in. And, um, it was like a you know, normal kind of moment in worship, right? We're just worshiping. And um, I, heard, I heard a thunder crack. I mean, just peeled, like, like with my natural ear, like, like the... And in an instant, the, the ceiling of this place um, came off. And the throne room of God just went... Landed in this room. And I was out. I was out like a light and uh, for almost two hours. Like at the end, I, was, I crawled up here. If you guys were here last year, I crawled up here. I could barely, um, I could barely function. And, uh, and I have revisited that encounter many times. It was, um, I've had a few, uh, a few throne room encounters that have altered my life forever, and I highly recommend it. Um, 
<laughs> it's, that's available for all of us. Seek the Lord. Meditate on the scriptures of the throne room. The Isaiah 6, the Revelation 4, there's Ezekiel passages to reveal the throne room of God. He's done it. It's just really necessary and uh, that, that our, our hearts, our souls, our visions are caught up with the throne room of God. Nothing else compares. You know, it's a great way to conquer fear. But I, um, I've asked the Lord multiple times, especially recently as I'm getting ready and preparing to come here again and uh, about that encounter, about that vision. About It was more than a vision. I don't even know what to call it. Um, but I really, and I told Rick this on the phone, I, I honestly believe it um, it's, has at least partially to do with this house and the, the call to worship in the throne room. And I also believe it's a call to the larger body of Christ to worship in the throne room, to get comfortable, not... Um, not casual, but um, comfortable in the throne room of God to where our spirits dwell there. Nothing else will conquer fear and to strengthen our faith more greatly than that. So I don't know what direction you had, but if we wanted to head back into worship a little bit, that would be fine with me. <laughs> oh, is that what you're asking? Ben? Amy? Do what? I'm sorry? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 that'd be cool. If you if you got kids and you need to bolt and stuff like that, feel free to leave. I do know that we're supposed to pray over people and of the of the revelations of the of the greatness of our God. So uh Let's just worship this song. Worship to, not worship this song. Use this song to worship the Lord.
Yeah, so I'm going to pray something. There are, there are soulless motions of fear, but there are so demonic spirits of fear. And many times, not many times, but sometimes, people clothe themselves with fear because it's a method of protecting themselves. i never forget one time I was casting a spirit of fear out of a lady, praying everything I knew to pray about dealing with the spirit of fear. And when I had, when I, and I, I probably prayed for a couple hours in this thing. And finally, Lord, I said, Lord, what's going on? And I looked at her in the eyes and I said, you don't want to be free of this, do you? You don't want to be turned loose of this fear. And she looked at me with just honesty and sincerity and I says, no, I don't. And I'm going, what? She says, I do not know what it would be like to live life without fear. And I mean, and it broke my heart. It really scared you. How do you want to keep a critter around and not be free? And so I'm going to pray a prayer, but I'm going to ask you, don't come up. I'm not out. Don't want a lot of people up unless I'm going to pray a prayer about fear. And if you, when I pray this prayer, you feel like God's just touching something in your heart, we want to pray for you. And then we'll pray later about anybody or whatever, Okay. So I just, Lord, I just uh, thank you for the word of Chris, Lord, that she spoke, the word of the Lord that Chris spoke. Lord, we just need the revelations of you. We need just to see you clearly, turning our eyes to you, on you. Lord, the eyes of our heart to see you in the Spirit, Lord. Lord, there's of us in this room that fear is, is haunting us, holding us slave. Lord, I just speak in Jesus' name. I just command in Jesus' name. Any strongholds of fear, I command in Jesus' name to be gone. Lord, I speak spirits of fear. In the name of Jesus, be gone. In the light of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The greatness of Jesus. Lord, I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom. Jesus. Come on up, Chris. We're going to close. I'm just going to close. And, uh, and we're going to be up here praying. So if you want us to pray for you, we will. Okay?